and welcome to Southampton. I'm Susan Spence. Thank you for downloading the Holiday in Southampton City Guide podcast. During my trip, I stayed at the Holiday in Southampton in the city centre and close to the waterfront. But there are a variety of Holiday in properties to choose from in the Southampton area to suit all tastes and budgets. The Holiday Inn Hotel Southampton Eastleigh is located seven miles to the north of Southampton in the heart of Hampshire within easy access of the M3 and M27 motorways and close to Southampton International Airport. Ideally situated for day trips to the New Forest, Bewley Motor Museum and Marwell Zoo, the hotel also has ample free car parking and boasts the Spirit Health Club. There are also two Express by Holiday Inn properties in the Southampton area. Express is a comfortable, low-cost alternative, but still maintains the same standards you've come to expect from a Holiday Inn and offers complimentary continental breakfast for all guests. Express by Holiday Inn Southampton West is located off Junction 1 of the M271. It's an ideal location for visiting Southampton and its cruise terminals. So if you're taking a cruise from here, then why not have an overnight stay at the beginning and end of your trip? The hotel has complimentary parking for all guests, although there is a small charge for longer stays. And if you're a cricket fan, you'll want to stay at the Express by Holiday in Southampton M27 Junction 7 because it's within walking distance of the Rose Bowl, home of Hampshire Cricket and Esporta Leisure Centre. The hotel has ample free parking and is 10 minutes drive from the city centre and three miles from Southampton Airport. Well, just before we start to explore Southampton, let me tell you how you can receive up to 35% off your next weekend stay at any of our Holiday Inn properties. Just visit our website, ihg.com forward slash podcast. That's ihg.com forward slash podcast for all the details. Situated on the south coast of England, Southampton is an historic city and world-class port. It's the closest city to the New Forest and is roughly halfway between Portsmouth and Bournemouth. Southampton has always been strongly connected with maritime history and today it remains home to many luxury liners. But it's more than just a cruise stop. Southampton's appeal lies in its diversity. Discover the old town, enjoy a drink at Ocean Village Marina, visit the Titanic exhibition, shop till you drop at the Westkey Shopping Centre or hop on the ferry to the Isle of Wight. Whatever you decide, you'll be spoilt for choice. I'm now sat down right on the edge of the waterside and I'm joined by Don Robertson from Southampton Tourist Guides Association who is my personal guide for the day. Don, thank you very much for taking the time to show me around your city. First of all, just so that we can get our bearings, tell me a little bit about the origins of Southampton. Well, it all started almost 2,000 years ago, Sue, um, in the year 43 AD. I won't be more specific than that. When the Romans came to Southampton, they stayed here for several hundred years uh, and then they were followed swiftly by the Saxons, followed quickly by the Vikings, and then of course the major build-up of this area took place under the Normans after the uh, Battle of Hastings in the year 1066. It's thought that they got to Southampton in the year around 1068, and we certainly have a building in the town, uh, one of the oldest, with the oldest church in the town, which dates from the Normans at 1070. And most significantly of all, especially for American visitors to Southampton, this is where the Pilgrim Fathers originally left from on the ship, the Mayflower, and the Speedwell. 
Uh, it was only a pure accident the, uh, that they had to call into Plymouth, and which is reputed to be the place that they left from in England. But it was, in fact, here in Southampton, looking down on the actual gate, the waterside from whence they left. Now, where we're sat at the moment, this is, really is lovely. We, we're, so we're blessed with a really nice day. Uh, we probably can hear the seagulls uh, in the background as well. Now, the setting here, we've got lots of different cruise terminals as well here. Indeed, yes. We have everything coming up the river here. We have the cruise liners. There are two berths to the right or two cruise uh, terminals to the right, two to the left. But, of course, everything else that uses Southampton Port, uh, including the great container uh, vessels that come along here, they come across this stretch of waters. Now, sat here, we've got in the distance the New Forest, and, of course, we've just seen the Red Funnel Ferry um, head out. That's going across to the Isle of Wight. Uh, this particular stretch of water uh, does go on for some considerable miles and of course we've got the berth where the Queen Mary comes in and also sails from. That's true, of course Queen Mary's not the only uh, large cruise liner that leaves from here, we got an even larger one in the Queen Victoria also walking down towards where the Queen Mary would normally leave from, berth 38-39 or the as we actually call it in Southampton the Queen Elizabeth II terminal, you will pass the terminal from which the Titanic itself left. Now, Titanic, of course, had a maiden voyage here in Southampton, and this was to be her home port if she'd arrived back here. At the moment, it's not quite possible to see the exact location from where she left, but that hopes to be, we hope that that's going to be rectified by the year 2012, which is, of course, the 100th anniversary of her sailing from this port. We're quite confident that it will be possible to go right to the berth where she actually left from. Of course, Titanic is uh, extremely important to, to the residents of Southampton, as it was, of course, to everybody else involved with it. But the residents of Southampton made up most of the crew. The crew numbered 800-odd, uh, and of that 800-odd, 529 Southampton residents perished in that particular tragedy. There was hardly a part of the, the old town of Southampton that wasn't affected by either the death of a brother, an uncle, a father, or something like that. It was an awful period, and one of those things that Southampton can never, ever forget. So what we'll do now, we'll just pop along to the Titanic exhibition, which is housed in the Maritime Museum. We just walked along the Western Esplanade and we've arrived at the Maritime Museum, which is opposite the Royal Pier, which is quite a distinctive building. Uh, Don, before we go into the Maritime Museum, this particular spot has uh, great historical significance. Indeed it does. It's, it's uh, where no less than 50 pirate ships landed in the year 1338, October 4th to be exact. They were financed by the Grimaldi family of uh, Monaco fame and they stormed through the town, these pirates, killing hundreds of people, wreaking great devastation on the town. And it was that event which caused the walls, the whole defensive walls that we have at Southampton, to be built. They were built at the behest of Edward III, who was on the throne at the time, and said we must have far better defences, because previous to that, the only defence of the town was a northern wall which stretched east to west, and that uh, part of which constituted the Bargate. So, in 1338, they landed. The king was very annoyed about the devastation caused, and the walls were built. We're stood now at that spot where the, we think the pirates landed, but it's also the last part of the walls that were built from about 1340 through to 1400, and we're now at the Maritime Museum. Now, we're going to pop in here. Of particular interest to us is obviously the Titanic exhibition inside here, but that's not just all that it has to offer. 
No, indeed. The building itself is steeped in history. It started life as a wool house, and it is, in fact, the only still-working medieval building in Southampton, dating, as I say, from 1400. Um, It started life as a wool storage because wool could not be transported to Mediterranean countries in, uh, in exchange for wine until the tides were right, the winds were right, and so on. Uh, And then uh, when the Reformation took place during the reign of Henry VIII, our trade with Europe all but ceased. So it then got converted to a dye manufacturing uh, factory, if you like, for making alum. Uh, But then in its history, probably the most notorious part of its history was in the fact that it was a prisoner of war camp during the Napoleonic Wars, with many hundreds of French prisoners at a time staying here, a time of very, very very sad times, almost concentration-like times. And it just happened to coincide with uh, the spa period in Southampton when Jane Austen lived here. So she will have come here from time to time as well. So we're going to pop in then. It's uh, £2 for adults to get in. There are obviously um, concessions as well. And uh, just one word of warning, it's actually closed the Maritime Museum on a Monday. So we've just come into the Maritime Museum and uh, immediately one of the first things that you will notice is just to the left of you, which uh, is the Southampton Docks clock. It looks as if it's one of the original from the docks and really just looking around, it's full of maritime artefacts, the history of Southampton Docks. Also, as you come in on your right, you'll see that we've got a yellow diving bell, which is well worth a look. And they've really kind of brought the whole old-style docks to life. You'll also see lots of different uh, models as well, all the different ships that have been in and out of Southampton, which is well worth a look. And upstairs, there's a whole floor dedicated to everything maritime. But in particular, you will see right in front of you... Titanic exhibition, which uh, is really quite impressive, Don. It is indeed. Um, what you'd find when you come up here is how closely Southampton was associated with that particular disaster. The place is full of uh, artefacts that they've recovered, I think not necessarily from the Titanic, but from members of the family of the crew that perished on the Titanic, because as you probably know, Southampton formed the largest group of people that crewed the, the liner itself. And so it's very much... Um, Looking back at how the town itself was affected, it talks about one particular school where every single child in the school had a brother, a father, or one other relative that actually perished on it. So it's very personal to the town, yet at the same time it tells the visitor the whole story by way of video presentation, exhibitions in in glass cases, photographs that are bound everywhere. It's an extremely non-missable type of event that you have to come and see. The Titanic exhibition is one you can actually get involved with. There's various different things, different buttons to press to hear about the crew, to hear about the ship itself. There's lots of things to actually look at, things that were on board that they've been able to salvage and the whole story is here for you to see as well as of course as how it affected Southampton and uh, right at the end of the exhibition there's quite a small in comparison to say some of the other models that are up here quite a small model of the Titanic itself and it would be fair to say that you do get a real sense of how the Titanic going down affected Southampton as a, as a city and, of course, really as a community as well. Those immense quantities of ice were abnormal for almost any time of the year. Well, as well as the Titanic exhibition up here, we've also got all things maritime. There is a huge model, I don't know how many feet this is, it has to be said, of the Queen Mary, 
very, very impressive and uh, worth a look here. We've also got running along the wall here uh, different types of things that you would be able to eat on the Queen Mary. We have a sample of a menu from Thursday, May the 28th, 1936. And for dinner, you would be having, well, they've given you a little suggestion. Uh, You could have honeydew melon. Uh, Then you would have chicken gombo creole. Supreme of turbot. Roast English lamb with some mint sauce and jelly. Sounds very nice. Uh, Some fruit salad. And, of course, you would have coffee. And there's a whole load of different other things you could be eating as well, like some mutton chops lots of different ice creams, various different flavours. You've so many things to do with the Queen Mary here, of course, as you would expect. But the main thing is this huge model. I have to say, um, it makes me feel quite good because it was, of course, built by John Brown on the banks of the River Clyde at, at Clyde Bank, which is which is not far from where I come from. But it is all things maritime up here. It's well worth having a look uh, once you've gone through all the things to do with the Titanic. Now, just outside the Maritime Museum, across the road, you'll see Red Funnel. Now, that is the ferry operator who goes across to the Isle of Wight. Now, the Isle of Wight is actually not very far to get to from Southampton. That in itself has so much to offer. That's true, Sue. It takes a mere 55 minutes to get across on a normal uh, car ferry here. And the ferries run pretty well on the hour. It's the most popular place because it's steeped in history. Uh, there's Carisbrook Castle, where Charles I was in prison. Osborne House, which, of course, Queen Victoria's favourite home, where the film Mrs Brown was filmed, I think you'll, you'll discover. And lots of other places, very picturesque places, the Isle of Wight, a most desirable place to visit. And you've also got the, the catamaran? Yes, we have a catamaran here, fast ferry service, uh, as well as the car ferry. Most foot passengers will travel on a catamaran because I think the, the distance uh, there is 20 minutes. So considerable saving on time. And, of course, we do have in very easy distance access. On ferry, there is a small ferry going over to a little place called Hyde, which is uh, is on the edge of the New Forest. Now, the attraction of that is that very often when some of the large cruise liners are in the port, such as the Queen Mary II, the Queen Victoria, you would actually pass them at their berths as you're going across to this little uh, place on the edge of the New Forest. So would it be fair to say then, Don, that if you're a tourist coming to Southampton, that the best way to get round and see everything is by foot? Yes, I'd certainly suggest that because, like an awful lot of cities in in Britain nowadays, pedestrianisation seems to be the thing thing which is most in vogue, which makes, of course, a lot of the earlier um, roads inaccessible. So walking tour, but then the town itself, the old town, the most important, the historic, the most visually exciting, is a a mere two kilometres all the way around, a mile and a quarter. So it doesn't take very long at all. We're heading now to Oxford Street, the area of Oxford Street, where most of the crew and the passengers of the Titanic were located prior to the departure. But before we do so, Sue, it might be worthwhile just to pop up Bugle Street, which is alongside the Maritime Museum here, to visit two very, very interesting places. One is we called the Tudor House, which is reputed to have been the place where Henry VIII frequently stayed in Southampton, and it's even suggested that at the ghost of Anne Boleyn walks its corridors. Uh, and just across the square from there, a very beautiful part of the town, is the very first building built in Southampton by the Normans themselves. It was the Church of Saint Michel, Saint Michel being the patron saint of Normandy, of course. And that was built in the year 1070, incredibly short space of time between the invasion and the building of this church. So if you've got the time, Sue, I would suggest it's well worth a visit. 
We're now standing at Terminus Station, which was a station specifically built, a railway station that was specifically built to service the needs of principally first-class passengers who would board liners for transatlantic uh, visits and uh, other part where they would go to other parts of the world as well. The station itself has stood under the hotel, the Southwestern House Hotel as it was, um, Passengers would typically come here during the day before the sailing, would stay the night in the hotel, and then board a train again. They would disembark from a train originally, of course, board a train again and go straight into the docks and end up dockside at their, uh, at their particular liner. And that's what exa- exactly what happened with the Titanic. People stayed overnight here, and there were several um, well-known people at that time, of course, that perished on the Titanic, and others that survived. And they left in the morning, boarded the train, then got off the train and boarded the Titanic, and that was the last time they set foot on dry land. And also, I understand the opposite here is Oxford Street. Now, this is where some of the crew lived. And also, we're going to visit the famous pub called The Grapes, which was featured in the Titanic. That's right. All the way along here, there were, of course, you had two types of accommodation here. And contrasting in nature, there we stood at the hotel. Uh, and, of course, you had the other crew, the deckhands, the engineering crew, all those 2,000 people, the 2,000 people that made up the rest of the contingent of the Titanic. And, of course, they had to stay somewhere overnight because many of them didn't live in the town, though uh, well over 600 of them did come from Southampton, and, of course, they were resident here. But those who didn't live in Southampton came perhaps from Liverpool and other, other parts in the country, and they would stay in places like the Salvation Army Hostel, um, the old Labour Exchange building that we call it, but several places where several hundreds of them could be accommodated. Uh, they, of course... While they were waiting or overnight, just for their last evening uh, on dry land, they would come out and entertain themselves in the various pubs that were here, but uh, jumping with activity on the night before the sailing, as it was typically for all major sailings at that time. And this area today is buzzing. I can see in front of us in Oxford Street, we've got all the different eateries and pubs. Um, Is this a popular place to come and have a drink and something to eat in Southampton? Yes, it most certainly is, because one of the pubs that is featured here, where I'm not too sure about the eating bit, but certainly you can go and drink, you can drink in the pub called The Grapes, which was featured in the recent Titanic uh, film, which starred uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. His character, I think I'm quite sure in, in saying, was, feed, uh, was shown to be drinking in that particular pub. There are, of course, many others around, because... Even in spite of the two world wars that uh, followed on from the Titanic, this place, this part of the town, uh, remained largely unscathed. So it has its old character with its Edwardian, its Georgian, its Victorian buildings. And it is a place where a lot of people generate to as as a nicer part of the town. But then again, you can eat anywhere in the town. We have uh, the widest range of... Uh, eateries that you can imagine all sorts of uh, every ethnic taste is catered for and you can eat from the very expensive of course which possibly is in Oxford Street area down to the cheap fast food places but every taste is catered for well, we're now standing at the Bargate, which is the northern entrance to the medieval old town of Southampton. Now, this is very impressive. It's actually, you wouldn't expect to see this here because we're kind of at the edge of the West Quay shopping centre. And then all of a sudden we have this wonderful old brickwork that's um, going through an archway as well. It's guarded by two lions. Uh, tell us the story behind this, Don. 
Well, this particular building was built by the Normans in the year 1170, commenced in the year 1170, but of course over the century it's changed considerably. It was essentially the northern gateway into the, ta- into the old town through which visitors would pass, traders would pass, and so on and so forth. And over the years it's been added to, uh, extended and so on, and it now on the northern side where we're presently stood, it looks very much like a fortress, naturally of course, because strangers, enemies if you like, were on that side. If one then travels to the southern side of it, it's very much different in design. Uh, architecture, it looks almost ecclesiastical. From the Bargate, the walls extended both east and west for a couple of hundred yards either side, ending in towers either side. So we had, as the original guardian, if you like, to the old town, this one wall. And it wasn't till the raid of 1338 that um, things changed when the whole of the town had to be, uh, in fact, uh, defended much better than it had been before. And then then we got the two-kilometre walls all around the town. Now, today, the actual old town of Southampton is very different. In fact, really, it's a continuation of the whole shopping area. Yes, to the north of the Bargate, we have the main shopping area, uh, and that is a very modern complex called West Quay, which extends out to the western side of the town quite a considerable length. It's full of retail shops that everyone knows about on the high street, and in this particular one, we spoke about eating places earlier, there is, in fact, in that complex alone, 19 fast food outlets, so you can see that gourmets are well catered for, um, all tastes are well catered for in the town. To the south of the Bargate, the, the shopping has continued, uh, somewhat different in, in, in tone and in, in type, uh, but that extends all the way down to the waterfront. And what's Southampton like at night? Oh, well, it's quite vibrant, Sue. Um, here in the centre, um, we have several nightclubs that seem to go on to all hours of the night. I think two o'clock is a normal kick-out time around here. But that extends, of course, to the suburbs as well. We do have a quite a vibrant theatre life as well. We have one of the largest theatres along the south coast in, uh, in the Mayflower. And we have another theatre called the Nuffield, which is associated with the university. Southampton's Art Gallery, thought by most people who seem to know about such things to be one of the finest art galleries in the south outside of London. For anybody interested in royal connections with towns and cities in Britain, will be interested to know that every king and queen right from Norman times has visited the town in one connection or another. Many of them in the early days spent time in the castle. The present queen herself conferred the title of city on Southampton by uh, royal charter in the year 1964. Well, Don, thank you very much for showing me around your city. I have enjoyed it. But before I let you go, I just want to ask you one thing. As someone who's born and bred in Southampton, what would you say is the one thing that a visitor shouldn't miss? Well, as you might suspect coming from a town guide, Sue, I would say the history. Southampton is steeped in 2,000 years of history, most of which is unknown to Southampton residents themselves, but it is exciting, it is vibrant, it is something not to miss. So I would certainly suggest to any visitor, wherever they stay in Southampton, come and look at the old town. It's really quite something. Well, as you've heard, there's a lot more to Southampton than meets the eye. And like me, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Walking is the best way to see the city. If you'd like a guided walk with someone like Don, then get in touch with the Southampton Tourist Guides Association. Their website is at stga.org.uk. 
To make the most of your visit, pop into the Visitor Information Centre and you'll find them located opposite the Civic Centre. And let me just remind you how you can receive up to 35% off your next weekend break here in Southampton or at any of our other holiday and destinations. All you have to do is visit our website, ihg.com forward slash podcast. That's ihg.com forward slash podcast for all the details. I'm Susan Spence. Thank you for downloading the Holiday in Southampton City Guide podcast and enjoy your stay.